No, I don't do that. I start and like you know that I'm starting. So, hey guys, this is Person About Town, and we are in a restaurant. You can hear the noise. Uh, I'm going to introduce Alicia Siegel. And where are we? We are at Spoke Wine Bar in Davis Square. So why is this your favorite place? Because I work here. Okay, so how did you come to work here? Did you work here because you liked it here, or do you like it because you work here? Well, that's a good question. Um, I think I would love it here even if I didn't work here. Um, how did I come to work here? So I was managing Highland Kitchen, and uh, after two glorious years, I burned out pretty spectacularly and uh, needed, <laughs> needed a, a different vibe. What does a spectacular burnout look like? The way that you said that made it seem like there's like a dramatic story, like a Jerry Maguire leaving moment. Tell me. Well, um, I can't say too much. Okay. Um, but I will say I had some serious health issues uh, with my, uh, my ulcerative colitis, which I talk about a lot in my act. Okay. Um, what is ultra, ul, what is that? It's uh, ulcerative colitis. Yeah. It's... Um, you get bleeding ulcers in your colon. That sounds terrible. Yeah, it's pretty painful and horrible. Um, so put me in the hospital for like uh, nine days. Wow. Yeah, so it was either that or a nervous breakdown. Yeah, both so, of those are not good. Yeah. So I got out of the hospital and uh, I stayed there for a couple more months, but it wasn't, um, it was like no longer the right, the right yeah. fit. It was too stressful and too much going on, so. Is this a little bit more chill? This is a lot more chill. Okay. Yeah. So I went from uh, like a 60 seat thereabouts yeah. to um, to about 24 seats. There are only 24 seats in here? Yeah. We have 12. Yeah. We basically have, we can fit like about 35 people inside here. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So it's a very different vibe. So what, besides the fact that you work here, do you like about this place? Um, it's... It's been really fun to watch it evolve, uh, especially on the food side. Um, chef John, uh, he, Chef John De Silva, he, um, he was a chef at Number Nine Park for a long time. Um, so there, he's working with, you know, a real kitchen. Um, here, he's working with four induction burners, a convection oven, um, and a meat slicer, and a, a home use deep fryer, and that's it. That's it. So. Wow. Okay. So you come here. Sorry, I think, no way. A guy used to date is holding flowers for a woman outside this restaurant. <laughs> Which is appropriate because this is your date spot, right? This is not my date spot. I have been on dates here. You've seen me, but this is not like my date spot. Okay, yeah, like let's, let's, call, let's ignore that. This is about you. <laughs> okay, so you like food. You write about food. Do you want to tell the listeners how you got into that? Yeah, um, it was a, kind of an accident. Um, I, I was in New York, I was writing, uh, I wasn't writing for anybody, I was doing a writing program, a writing workshop, and um, I did a couple of food stories, um, just because I was coming from the restaurant world, and it was just, um, it was just clicking, um, the stories were good, people really enjoyed them, um, and it was just something I kind of knew that I had a knack for. Writing about food specifically? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I had a teacher. Um, she said, food turns you on. She says, whatever you're writing about, just throw a lemon peel in there. <laughs> is that all right? Okay. Yeah, I said, all right. It's good advice. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So when we get food, I'm going to ask you to, like, describe what we're eating. 
Okay, because you have a knack for it. Okay, cool. So you also do comedy. How did you transition into doing that? So comedy is like a lifelong dream. Like literally since I was four years old. I used to tell people I wanted to be a comedian. Right. What, like what was your context for what a stand-up comedian even is at four years old? I have no idea how I got the idea in my head. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I didn't. I didn't know I used to say that, and then I, I saw an old friend from growing up, and she told me that, and it kind of blew my mind. Because yeah. I was like, because it, it had been in my head for a while that I wanted to get into it, but I didn't realize that it had been like, like a dream for almost my whole life. Yeah. So, pretty cool. Um, so, just over a year ago, I, I, um, I took a stand-up class at Improv Boston and uh, with Jake McDowell, and uh, it just kind of got me going, and I haven't stopped. So, yeah. So, what would you say your comedy style is? Um, it's pretty, like, self-deprecating. Pretty mellow. I don't do, like, crazy voices or anything. Okay. Um, pretty much just talk like this. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd like to, like, get more political. Um, but I think it's sort of tough. It can, be, can end up being a little preachy. Okay. So, nice. yeah. So, would you say... The jokes that I've heard of yours, the ones that I like, and this is definitely based on my leanings, are a bit darker. Would you say that there's like a darker part of your personality that comes out through that, or is that just kind of there all the time? Oh, I'm pretty dark. Okay. Yeah. Like, a lot of people are surprised that I do comedy. People that don't know me very well are surprised I do comedy, because I'm very dry. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a serious person. How, how does that play? <laughs> <laughs> on stage, or... Um, it's usually fine. I think people take me, people take me seriously. It helps as a manager. Yeah. Um, it doesn't always help as a waiter. People sometimes want the, like, guy from, uh, Office Space. The, like, oh, the one with the flair? With the flair, yeah. You know, they're kind of, sometimes they're a little disappointed by me. <laughs> which I, is fine. I understand. Um, but, you know, at the same time, like, I think, as a, well, at least as a waiter, they know that, uh, like, I'm not bullshitting them. Yeah. You know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm telling it like it is. Right. So I think there's some value in that. Nice. Yeah. So wait, how long have you worked in the restaurant industry? Um, ten years. Wow, you're not very old. How, how old are you? 33. You are? I thought you were like 30. No, 33. Okay, so you're old. I'm old, yeah. Yeah. What did you go to school for? Political science. Nice. Yeah. So how did that transition happen? Um, so I was, uh, I was doing, like, local news in high school for a local newspaper and um it's pretty impressive yeah it's you know it was it was cool um there's another thing i just stumbled into uh and i didn't want to go to journalism school i just wanted to get like a good sense of the world and i thought poli sci was a good way to like just sort of understand sort of criti critically like what was going on in the world thanks Paige. yeah can we get the uh bronzino crudo and the plum gazpacho and the gazpacho? Yeah. Crudo and gazpacho? You got yeah. it? Thanks. Anybody need to drink yourself water? Um, Do you want to drink? I'm okay, but sure? yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You sure? Yeah. Okay. You guys have good drinks here, though. Yeah, you should get a glass of wine. Yeah, no, not today. You sure? I'm going to fall asleep in the movie. I'm old now, so. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Are you even 30? Yeah, I'm 30. What? All right. I'm 30 exactly. 30 exactly? Yeah. All right. All right, so yeah, you're yeah. old, too. I don't drink, so sometimes it makes people uncomfortable. Ever? No. Really? Yeah. 
If there is a story behind that, do you want to tell it? There is a story I'm not that keen on telling. Okay, then we don't have to go there. <laughs> uh, I talk about it a little on stage. Uh, I did get a DUI, and that was the end of my drinking. Was it also the end of your driving? Um, well, I haven't bought a new car since, okay. so <laughs> I've been riding a bike a lot. Nice. Yeah. You live in a city where that isn't the assumption if you ride a bike, whereas in other places, I feel like if you are riding a bike, people will assume, oh, a DUI. Yeah, yeah. no, it's good. It's a bike, bike-friendly bike town, so yeah. I'm, you know, it's kind of great not having a car here, to be yeah. honest. As a non-car person. Yeah. So, given that you don't drink, how is it to work in one of, like, I think this place has been listed as one of, like, the best places to get a drink. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't consider myself like an alcoholic. I just don't drink. So I'm okay if I, you know, take a few tastes. Like I, I know what everything that I'm selling tastes like. Um, I'm not doing everything just like from notes, you know. Um, because the sense memory is a lot stronger than my memory memory. So if you taste and smell something, you're much more likely to remember it than if you just read it out of a, a notepad, especially just the way my brain works. Uh, but I think that's kind of universal. Okay. Um, when I was still at Highland and I wasn't drinking, it was hard because people there got really, really drunk. Uh, yeah. And I kind of got to see, it just was annoying. <laughs> As a sober person, yeah, drunk people are a little much. Yeah. yeah. But here it's a, it's a little older crowd, a little more responsible. So um, it's fine. It's totally fine. Yeah. Do you think that that is something that's pretty common in the restaurant industry? Like... Drinking, partying, that sort of thing? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I don't know what it's like to be 22 and work in a restaurant now. Yeah. But uh, when I was 22 and working in restaurants, like, we were paid cash. Right. We were working in a high-stress environment. You know, we were all young and, like, figuring it out. Yeah. So, like, you could make $250, $350 in a night, and there were definitely times I would go and spend that, you know, that night some, oh. somewhere else. Where? How? Just at, like, the, the bars around, you know? Like, we almost would make a game of it, like, how big of a tab could you ring up in two hours, you know, or sometimes 14 hours. That is, <laughs> that is impressive. Yeah. I, I think my largest bar tab ever was $70. That's yeah. the most, and that was me, like, buying drinks for my friend as well. Well, that's, what, that's a normal human being. Okay. The restaurant business uh, is is a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people that um, like extremes. You know, um, it's a lot of people that don't fit into regular life. People that like a stressful environment and a, high, a really fast-paced environment. Um, a lot of artists. A lot of you know, it's not like it's not the most like stable group of people. You know, um, so I mean, not to cast dispersions on the whole industry, but at least that's kind of how my experience was getting started. So what's a typical day like? So are you a manager here? or? Um, right now I'm a server here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah. So what is a day like for that? I get here at 3.45, um, set up. So that's just like wiping down tables, putting yeah. out the silverware and plates and stuff. Uh, then we sit down all together and have a meal. Uh, that's really nice. Yeah. So it's called, like, that's called family meal. Okay. Um, and the cooks here treat us really well. They, they make us like incredible food um a lot it's not like a lot of places you go it's like last week's fish and then yeah. like old rice like they actually like they really take care of us here um and then that's like our meeting so we go over any like changes in the menu or whatever um 
And then we, yeah, put the final touches on. Um, all right. It's gone. Uh, I'll do it. Yeah, thanks. So this is the Bronzino Crudo. So Bronzino is like a sea bass, European sea bass. Um, it has torched lardo on top, which is um, cured. It's basically like the fat, the fat of bacon um, is, is cured, and then it's melted on top with a blowtorch. Um, and then you have some pickled ramps, beach mushrooms, and um, ramp oil. Um, and I like this dish because it's really light and refreshing, but because of the lardo, it's also really rich. Um, so it's cool. It really kind of, um, it's a really nicely balanced, light dish. I, I just think it's awesome. Okay. It's really good. Uh, do you want to like take a bite and then like give us a sample of your food writing? I guess so. Yes. I mean, <laughs> just to clarify, I usually do this at home with like... <laughs> hours to think about it and tons of candy. So candy? Yeah. Why candy? Um, I, I, I'm kind of like, it just like gets me like, gives me like a jolt. Yeah. It gets me like going. So like, okay. yeah. Right, before we take a bite of this, yeah. what is your favorite type of candy to like get a jolt with? Oh my God. That is such a hard question. <laughs> you like so many types? I like so much candy. <laughs> it really, like I go through a lot of like different moods. But I would say like anything gummy, any like the Haribos, the gummies, like I'll always, I'll probably always pick those first. Ooh. Yeah. I'm always pro a chocolate treat versus a gummy treat, yeah. but I respect that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I like, you know, depends on my cravings at yeah. the time. I like a good like chocolate ice cream. Nice. But, uh, but yeah, I'm usually like a gummy, a gummy guy. All right. Yeah, cool. yeah. All right, so I'm going to take a bite of this. Yeah, dude, do you want me to hold the mic? Uh, no, I'm, I'm going to hold the mic, and then I'm going to ask you what you think after you take a bite of okay. this. Okay. I'm always worried that I'm, like, eating wrong, so. It's pretty great, right? Yeah. 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 There's, like... It's kind of melty, but like, mm -hmm. there's a lot of base to it. Tell yeah. me. Yeah. Um, yeah, all right, I'll take a bite too. All right. Um. He's carefully constructing a bite. You gotta get the bite. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. He's got the things that are on top of the fish uh, with the bite. I need to do that my next bite. Yeah. No. I would say like it's super bright. Okay. Um, like, so in other words, like it has a lot of acid. Okay. Um, that's coming from the pickled mm -hmm. vegetables. Um, the fish itself is like, it's like a pretty mellow white fish. It's, kind of, it's, it's, it's oily, but not like crazy oily. Yeah. Um, um, and I think the lardo really helps sort of like bring out the flavor in the fish. Yeah. Um, and I just love that like interplay between the fat and the and the acid. Yeah. Um, that's just uh, I think like I I lean towards like brighter, more acidic foods. Um, uh, so I love foods that kind of like where the balance is really perfect. Right. Um, I don't know. How's that? That's good. Yeah. What is like the acidity? How does that affect your stomach and everything? Uh, uh, it's fine. I mean. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, it's probably not ideal, right? but um, 
but I, I, my condition's like pretty under control now. Okay, good. So I have, I can pretty much eat what I want as long as I'm okay with like having a stomachache okay. often. <laughs> nice. When did you find out that you had this, do you call it a disease? What is it? Yeah, I mean, it's a chronic disease. Okay. Um, I found out, let's see, two years here, two years there. It was like five years ago. Okay. Something like that. But I walked around with it for two years. So you found out you had it, and then you didn't do anything about it for two years? No, the opposite. Okay. So I knew something was wrong with me, but I didn't know what it was. And I didn't get it. I didn't have health insurance. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. So I, like, I finally got health insurance. And um, by that point, I was like, I had pretty much stopped eating. Not good. Yeah. And um, so I was like 125 pounds. I was like... Look like a Holocaust survivor. Yeah. <laughs> you are Jewish, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. I was like, you, I'd feel weird about you saying anything more Jewish, but like, no, you no. get to be upset about it more than I do. I'm allowed to, I'm allowed yeah. to say that, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and it was, uh, I was in a very stressful work environment then, too, right. uh, which wasn't helping. Um, and, uh, uh, but yeah, I had a great doctor. I was in New York at the time, I had a great doctor. Mm. And, um, um, yeah, it helped get it under control at least for a little while. Nice. So, yeah. While I talk, you should have the, you should have the last one. Why should I have the last one? Because I've had it before. You okay, know, it's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't need a lot of convincing. Yeah. yeah. I'm good. I'm glad. Um, so I was doing, so I write for, uh, write about food for WGBH for, uh, for a site called Craving Boston. And um, I go to a lot of local res- restaurants and markets and stuff, and I interview the owners. Mm-hmm. And uh, I won't say the place, but I went to this place and I was, I asked for the owner. And uh, it was like a young kid, guy like in his 20s, behind the counter. And he's like, oh yeah, I'm the owner. And I said, all right, cool. I said, can I take 15 minutes of your time? Uh, and he was like, kind of like unsure, but he, he kind of gave in. Thank you, sir. And then uh, he, uh, and, then I was, and then I always record on my phone because uh, that way I can accurately quote people. And uh, we get like halfway through the interview. I haven't taken any notes because I'm recording. Yeah. And then he gets up to do something and he comes back and he's like, actually, can you delete that? And I was like, thank you. I was like, bud, there's really no like cause for concern here. Like yeah. this is for your benefit yeah. so that I don't misquote you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know what he thought I was going to do with it, but he made me delete it in front of him. And we had, wow. to, we had to start the interview over again. So he would. Yeah, why would you do that? I don't know. He just, I don't know. He thought he was going to say the wrong thing and I was going to put it on the internet. I don't know. Okay. So, you can help me in my quest. Wait, do you eat burgers? Do you eat burgers? All right. I would like to know what the best burger in Boston is because I really like hamburgers and cheeseburgers. And there was a list like a while ago. It's like best burgers in Somerville, and I've been to most of those places. So I need to find another best burger. Hmm. Good question. I don't know that I have an answer for you. Oh, I might be letting you down here. Yeah. What are some good burgers that you have? <laughs> uh, Highland Kitchen does a really good burger. Okay. For sure. Um, who else does a good burger? The thing, here's the thing. I've had a lot of bad burgers and a lot of mediocre burgers, uh-huh. um, but a, not a lot of burgers that have really stood out in my life. I would say I love the lamb sliders at Sarma. Where is Sarma? Sarma is in 
Winter Hill in Somerville. Um, and uh, yeah, they have killer lamb sliders. Um, those, those are some of my, you know, loosely speaking, some of my favorite burgers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, this isn't like on the record, like someone's going to hold up this as an example of like how they don't agree with your taste or something. Yeah, no, I'm not going to ask you to delete this. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think where else I've had a pretty good burger. Um, I mean, honestly, like I like Tasty Burger a lot. I know it's a chain. Yeah. But like I really like that flat patty. Like, Have you been to flat patties? No, I haven't. You should go. Yeah? What's going on in Harvard Square? Because it's like all you can get is a burger. Really? No, Felipe's. Okay, and a burrito. <laughs> but like, or El Taco or El Jefe Taco or whatever. Yeah. And Anna's Taco. So yeah, you can get a burger or you can get a burrito. And that's it. Those are your only options in Harvard Square. Is that, no, that's just a cafe. Yeah, I think you might be right. Yeah. It's, Have you been to, oh, is it Kirkland, Ta- not, not Kirkland, Tap and Trotter. It's like across from the Brattle. It's downstairs. Oh, yeah. Um, Alden and Harlow. Yes. Yeah, I've been there. I've been what there. What did you think of that? Um, it was good. It was good. I think um, there's a lot of expectations okay. when you go to a place like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was good. Some, some really nice dishes. Uh, the octopus there was really good. That was that was a standout. How was the octopus prepared? Uh, it was. Uh, I think it was grilled. Uh, it came on like a big piece of like hearty brown bread with like some sort of like bright pesto. Okay. All right, so our gazpacho has arrived. Right. So this is a newer dish on the menu, so I'm not, I don't know it as well. Um, but uh, they take Santa Rosa plums, which are really sort of tart plums, um, and uh, cook it down, I think, with like breadcrumb, olive oil, um, and then run it through a cheesecloth so it's really um, smooth. Um, and then this is a piece of, half a piece of burrata from the uh, mozzarella house in Peabody. So a burrata is like a fresh mozzarella with uh, a cream center. And then there's a panzanella salad, which is like a, it's usually like a bread and tomato salad. But since we're substituting plums for tomatoes everywhere in this dish, it's like a toasted bread and plum salad um, with uh, I think, yeah, plum and I think a little, um, um, uh, peach as well. So, yeah. Guys, this is a beautiful dish. There are bright colors. He described it in a much more, like, knowledgeable way, but I'll tell you from my perspective, it's like a sea of red with, like, a little island of white, and around that, just, like, a multi-colored beauty that I am so excited to eat. This is why I love working here and why I love this place. Um, like you can get, this is just a really beautifully composed, thought-out dish. Yeah. Um, but it's we're not. Here, but if you see this place, like there's no tablecloths. Right. Like we're all in jeans. Like it's. Um, I, we're not. We're not pretentious about it. There's not a lot of pomp, you know. Okay. What genre would you say that is? Is that like new American? Is that even a thing? Yeah, I guess you call it like like new cuisine, small plate, new new cuisine. Okay. Um, so it's basically nothing and everything. <laughs> okay. you know? Yeah. Um, I know like Chef John, uh, he takes a lot of influences like um, Middle Eastern, North African influences, some Portuguese stuff, some Italian stuff. He just kind of like, I don't, I'm not totally sure like how he gets all his ideas. But, yeah. Um, 
but he's a super creative guy. Um, yeah. Um, and I think it's also like our, our wine list. Uh, I feel like I'm like selling this place, but it's your favorite place. You gotta do that. <laughs> yeah, uh, the wine list also is like really thoughtfully put together. It's uh, it's all like small producers. Um, if it's not technically organic, it's organic in practice. Um, Wait, what's the difference? I don't know. So in Europe, it's really expensive to get organic certification. So a lot of winemakers are functionally organic. They just don't have the label. Uh, it's like a EU. Just the EU makes it really expensive. Um, uh, so, yeah, so our wines are cool. You know, they're esoteric. It takes a lot of... Yeah, what does that mean? They're like, you know, we don't have, like, people come in and they're like, well, I want a Chardonnay. Yeah. And, you know, we might have one, but it's not what you think it is. Okay. You know, or people say they hate Chardonnay, but they don't know, like, they don't know that this Chardonnay they're going to love. Right. You know, so it's a lot of, um, a little bit of hand-holding and mind-reading. Um, but we, we always get there, you know. It's fun, you know. And then it's fun also when you find the people that really know their wine because you can really engage with them. Um, um, but it's also fun to educate, you know. So, like, what's a thing a person says that lets you know that they know about wine and then you start, like, having a like, actual conversation about it? Um, well, I think, you know, if they're ordering more by region than by grape varietal, that's a that's usually a hint, um, and then just kind of if they know the the language. Yeah, give me a sample. Like, so would I be like, do you have anything Chilean? Like, how, what, when you say region, what do you mean? Sure. So you've got like. Um, I'm trying to sound smart when I talk to somebody later. So. Okay. <laughs> All right. So a little, it's a little easier in the converse. Like, okay. like people say like I don't like Chardonnay. Okay. Because what they're thinking of is like Napa Chardonnay, which is like big, creamy, oaky, buttery stuff. Yeah. Um, but you have a white Burgundy, which is also Chardonnay, and it's um, tons of minerality, high ass, higher acid. Like it still might be a little fuller bodied, but it's got you know, depending on how it's aged, it's well, it's definitely not going to be buttery. Uh, it might have a bit of oak to it, um, but it's like a totally different. Might as well be a different grape. Um, so I can kind of, it's kind of easier to tell people don't necessarily know what they're talking about. Um, it's, a, it's a little more obvious. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, if, they rec- if somebody recognizes one of the producers on our list and they know why, like, it's, it's a weird list, you know. Yeah. I am, like, I always just ask for Malbec <laughs> because I know nothing about why it's like drinking it. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to ask for, like, not lessons in sounding smart about wine, but I will ask you questions throughout the course of our friendship so that in conversation I can sound smarter about this topic. Okay, cool, cool. So when you say a wine is buttery, what does that mean? Um, it's, like, tastes kind of like butter. Like, yeah. Like, it's kind of fatty. I've never had a sip of wine and been like, this reminds me of butter. You see it, um, you see it in, like, the in like I think like a lot of like the cheaper Chardonnays and stuff um, I'm not totally sure what people are drinking at home um, and my palate is very is trained on Italian and European wines so like I don't uh, and American palates are really different um, so I'm not always sure like what where people are coming from um, so that's like that's the mind reading part 
Um, but yeah, no, yeah, you can get like a big, a big buttery Chardonnay, and it's what you know. Some people really love that. Yeah. You know, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Except for it's low class. No, no, I didn't mean to give that impression. It's just, um, you know, it's. I don't know. I don't like to like put judgments on things, but it's a little more like tailored to the American palate, which okay. is broader, broader, bigger tastes. Okay. Um, European wines are a little more, uh, a little more nuanced, a little more balanced to them. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to try this. I would like you to also try this, and then I would like you to describe like the flavors and tastes. Sure. Okay. okay. I'm just going to put this down. Okay. All right. This is a good, it's a good summer dish, hot day like today. Wow. I can't name all those flavors. <laughs> Let's see. I probably can't. I don't think I can either. Let's see. It's a bit like if you took like an underripe plum. Okay. Um, blended it maybe with a little bit of cream. Okay. Um, and pretty much didn't do much else, you know. Um, I like. Um, I like the tartness of the plum a lot. Right. I think it makes it really, um, like as a substitute for the like acidity of a tomato. It's a really cool departure. Um, the texture is like incredible. Um, like it's so silky. Yes. It's crazy, crazy texture. Um, yeah, and I'm excited. That's just tasting the soup. Like I'm excited to mix it all together and see how everything plays off each other. Um, yeah. So how do you how do you attack something like this to mix it all together? I think like I think probably just let's see if this explodes at all. No, no. So I would just break off a little piece of the uh, burrata, uh, scoop it up with a little soup, and maybe uh, try and get a little bit of the the fresh plum in there. Okay. Just see how that works out. I got a little sorrel leaf on there as well, so that's gonna make it a little a little lemony. Nice. So again, like the burrata is like the fat component, mm-hmm. um, and that mellows out the tartness, the acidity of the soup. I don't know, just I mean, it's magic. <laughs> like it just <laughs> it works so well. Okay. You know. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna try that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, you know, what's the fun of dishes like this? Is like they're put together for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything's there. There's so much thought put into this. Everything's yeah. there for a reason. Oh. I am destroying the look of this, by the way. Oh, it's great. It's good. Mm. Yeah. Right? As a whole new... Yeah. whole new... I'm excited to get some of that cucumber and some of... What would you call these? these I think this is toasted baguette, I think. Okay. Um, so it's just a riff on a panzanella salad, which is usually like big hunks of baguette and, mm. and uh, tomato and um, like fresh mozzarella. Wow, so, nice. I'm excited. Yeah. So we do a lot of that here, like mm-hmm. um, take a concept and, and play with it. Like I guess this probably is not technically a gazpacho. Mm-hmm. I, would assume, I don't know what the technical definition is, but mm-hmm. you know. You get the idea. 
Where do you guys get your bread? Um, cut two places. Uh, we get our baguettes from Iggy's. And then we get um, some other bread from Bread Obsession. And I think they're in Lexington. Yeah, so they do really cool stuff. So um, stuff that's kind of hard to find. So, uh, yeah, their bread's really great. I mean, Iggy's is great, too. Everybody. everybody Where's Iggy's? Iggy's has a factory in Cambridge. Okay, I feel like I've um, seen it, but I don't know. Like, you've seen Iggy's everywhere. Okay. And if you've eaten out, probably nine of the ten places that have bread are using Iggy's. Like, right. everyone in the city uses Iggy's. Because um, uh, it's really good. It's consistent. shows up every day. Like, it's a great product. Um, uh, I mean, the bread obsessions, they're a little smaller. But that's great for a place like us. You know? Yeah. 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 So, do you have, outside of this restaurant, another favorite restaurant in Boston? Um, I knew you were going to ask me this. I, I, wanted, I was going to come prepared, and I didn't prepare. Why did you do that? <laughs> um, I mean, I love everything that Jamie B. Sinat does, so... Copa and Toro are probably two of my favorite places. I still have not been to either of those places. Yeah, I mean, they're great. They're a lot of fun. Um, he's, an, you know, he's another guy who puts, I don't know how hands-on he is with his menus these days, but I know he's in New York most of the time. But at least the culture there is, you know, put together thoughtful dishes. And, um, the guy was at Copa not too long ago, and I had a, they had a bone marrow pizza. That's, uh, it's like, um, it's got bone marrow and fresh horseradish on it. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't, the food scene, you know, is fun. But, like, to me, like, the real fun is finding, like, a great Chinese place that, you know, or, like, who's got the best pupusas in the city. Like, you know, like th that to me is way more fun. Who has the best pupusas in the city? This is a big secret. Okay. But it's a bodega on um, Medford Street in Somerville. Yeah. Okay. It's like, I think, like, the mother who owns, or whoever owns the bodega, yeah. like, makes them at home. Uh -huh. And then they're just, like, in a in tinfoil in a plastic bag, and you just pick out as many as you want. Okay. Uh, you got to warm them up at home. Okay. But I think they're the best. Uh, commercially, um, <laughs> I think Taco Loco has really good pupusas. Where is Taco Loco? That's in East Somerville as well. I got to get to East Somerville. Yeah, there's cool stuff in East Somerville. Um, some other spots I've really enjoyed is Jean's, uh, Jean's Chinese Flatbread, which uh, was, it's got a little buzz. It's not like totally under the radar, but they do these... Um, forget the province in China, but they do these like flat noodles. Uh, they look like um, like a paperdel noodle, like a wide a wide flat noodle. And uh, they do like um, like a curried lamb and like a sweet and sour pork. It's like, so good. Um, I know I'm like very like Somerville, Cambridge heavy, um, but like, I really like Buck Young. Um, they're in, they have locations in Austin and in Somerville and it's Korean. Okay. So, um, yeah, that's one of my go-tos. Um, yeah, I don't like, it's kind of funny, but like I don't go out to eat that much. Why? Uh, I, don't, I don't make that much money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm busy most nights. Right. Um, 
you know. What are you doing most nights? I'm either doing stand-up comedy, or I'm working in the restaurant, um, or I'm doing um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Tell me more about Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So I got into that about two years ago. Um, it's uh, it's kind of like wrestling, like not pro wrestling, like, yeah, like actual Olympic wrestling, yeah. yeah. Um, mixed in with like martial arts. Okay. Um, so it's a lot of grappling, kind of like rolling on the round on the ground, yeah. you know, kind of stuff. What got you into that? Um, uh, story of my life, just chance. Okay. Uh, I was looking for a winter sport, and uh, I tried. Did you have a summer sport already? Well, I, I bike everywhere in the summer, so I managed to like stay in decent shape in the summer. But I, you know, the tendency in New England is you know you sit around right. all winter and eat too much candy and ice cream. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I wanted a winter sport, and uh, I tried out rock climbing. I didn't like it. And um, there's a kickboxing gym, MMA gym, down the street from my house. Really? Yeah. Okay. And I popped in there just um, just to check it out. And uh, I always wanted to wrestle in high school. Yeah. But I went to a Jewish private school, which obviously didn't have a wrestling team. What do you mean, obviously? The Jews wrestle. <laughs> uh, you know, we're not uh, known exactly for our physical prowess, for the most part. <laughs> Maybe times have changed. Yeah. I don't know. I know tons of athletic Jews. That's most of the Jews I know. Now I'm like going through a list, which is kind of fucked up that I have a list of Jews that I know. Tell me about your list of Jews. I'm not a racist. Leave me alone. Just found out Zach Brazau is Jewish. No, he's not. Yeah, he did a DNA test with his family, and his like family is Jewish. Like how Jewish? Like, like in his DNA. Like they're Catholic. They're like Portuguese Catholic, but they're like. What? I, I can see. Well, he's super. That's super racist. Yeah. <laughs> you could see it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's. Uh, I think a lot of people actually have have uh, like secret Jewish genes in them. Um, I don't. I don't know if you want to go down that road. What does that mean to you? Well, because a lot of people converted right. and like were forced or forced to convert yeah. in like forever, yeah. like years and years and years and years, or. Um, or they just assimilated and, you know, so there's a, I think there's a lot more, like, biological, and I'm saying this with an eye roll, but, like, biologically <laughs> Jewish people, probably, than, than are, there are, like, identified Jews. Got it. But, I mean, you could, I'd probably say that about any ethnicity. Yeah. There are a lot of unidentified black people wandering around. Yeah. Like, somebody who's, like, real tan, and you're like, okay, like, yeah. you can keep lying to yourself, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. So, it's, I don't know, it's sort of a nonsense claim, but... Yeah. But it's fun to find out, you know, especially like when someone's, like I have a friend who's like super redheaded. He's a Mormon from Idaho and he found out that he has like Jewish DNA. Okay. He was super excited. He wants to have a bar mitzvah at 35. And he's like, totally. It's an awesome party. So like, why wouldn't you yeah. want to? Yeah. Like, it's an awesome party where everyone gives you money. Right? Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. You can't beat it. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So it's, that's a funny thing. Yeah. It was, especially, yeah. That Zach, it was just funny. Nice. That he... He's been on this podcast and he did not mention that he was Jewish. So I'm like super disappointed that I didn't get that scoop. I feel like it's, I don't know, because it was in his, it was a joke. He told it as a joke uh-huh. that I've never heard before. So I don't know how new that information is to him. It's funny how we learn about each other through our <laughs> jokes. Yes. Like, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't know anything about any of these like yeah. people, but. But through their through their acts, I learn a lot. You learn a lot about a person. <laughs> it is weird, like 
the selective amount of information you know. So you can know like a lot about one aspect of them and then not know what they do for a day job or like where they're from or who their family is. But everything about like their video game obsession or their sexual taste, like all of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's funny what people choose to I mean it's not just exposing it. Yeah. It's like sharing it with everybody. Yeah. You know? And you know, you put a setup on YouTube and whatever and you never know, like yeah, that terrifies me. Yeah. 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 I'm always worried about the wrong tweet. Really? What what constitutes the wrong tweet? That I'm gonna say something like accidentally offensive. Right. Then I'm it's I'm gonna be like uh, all the trolls are gonna come after me and <laughs> It would probably be great for my, like, Twitter followers. Yeah, it's like, how many followers do you have that you think, like, a mass of trolls are going to attack you? I have 135. Nice. <laughs> I don't know how many I have. <laughs> but, like, but it's out, like, you know, it's out there. Yeah. And it's, and, you know, that's all public stuff. My Facebook's public. Like, yeah. anyone can see it. Wait, your entire Facebook is public? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, well, I made it public when I started writing about food because I wanted everyone to see the articles. Um, but it's terrifying, you know? Yeah. Do you think that'll affect you, like, five, ten years down the road, or just, like, at any moment it could strike? So my, like, delusion, the delusional me is, like, yeah, I'm going to be, like, famous one day, and then, like, um, and then someone's going to dig through my tweets, yeah. and I'm going to be, like, buried by some, like, something that wasn't offensive at the time, but right. is, will be offensive in ten years. Yeah. Like Trevor Noah, like, yeah. where he said something. I mean, it wasn't even a funny joke, but yeah. they found that, and they were all pissed off at him for whatever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's people whose lives are doing that. Yeah. You know. But I, like, I'm more, like, I, I'm more worried about just uh, accidentally insulting people. Like, yeah. it's, a, it's I, like, we're, it's a weird time to be, I don't know, like, Things are shift. Like, what's acceptable to say and what yeah. isn't say, and and who's allowed to say what? Yeah. Uh, is is like very, in like, it's shifting right now. So it's like a weird time to like, put stuff out publicly. Right. Um. So, yeah, I just think twice before I press send. That's okay. yeah. That makes sense. So, what do you think is gonna hit first, the comedy or the writing? The writing. Why? Because I'm not that good at comedy. <laughs> You're funny. I'm funny. But, uh, I mean, I've been writing most... I've been writing since I was a little kid. Yeah. Like, I have way more practice in writing. Um, you know, comedy, uh, it's been like a pipe dream, and I've thought about it for years. Right. You know, but like uh, a year of open mics doesn't really make you a comedian, you yeah. know. And I'm, I'm aware of that. Okay. You know, but I'm a writer. I'm definitely a writer. Nice. Get paid to write your professional writer. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's really no debate. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Who do you look up, look up to as far as writing is concerned? So I just finished reading AJ Liebling's book, um, Between Meals. He's a he was a New York uh, New Yorker columnist, food writer. Um, like I think in the like 40s and 50s, and. Um, he writes, he writes in a style, or he wrote in a style that nobody writes in anymore. Um, Can you describe it? I, I think it's Proustian, although I've never read Proust, I've never read Proust. so I don't know if that's true. But it's, um, 
it's a like a big style, like with flourishes and it's more poetic than uh, the writing now. Like like my my sort of like modern food writing hero is uh, uh, David Sachs, uh, who wrote the book Save the Deli. So he like I relate my writing is very similar to his in that like it's sort of experiential travel writing style, very casual. So like on, on like a you know, current current day, uh, he's probably my the guy I look up to most right now. Um, but uh, but yeah, um, uh, and there's some really good voices, uh, you know, on on Craving Boston too. Um, some yeah, some cool some cool things going on there. To be honest, I don't read a ton of modern food writing. Uh, I find a lot of it. I think I probably told you this before, but I find a lot of it uh, pretty repetitive um, and unimaginative. Um, so I don't read a ton of new stuff. Um, and I, I usually take a tack with my writing to do more like to think of my writing more as travel pieces um, and build a narrative into into what I'm writing about. Um, I think it's a more interesting experience for the reader, um, and it and it it doesn't it's not just like describing dishes, right. you know. That's what you know. That's the job of a uh, of a critic. Right. I have I'm lucky to well I have a lot more freedom than that, you know. So I can I can be more interesting, you know. Um, yeah, I, I, a lot. There's a lot of cliched, a lot of cliched writing and food writing. Uh, and it's it's boring, you know. So I try to not be that. Yeah, it's the same thing in comedy. I, you know, I don't think I have a single porn joke in my act. Yeah. Um, and it's not because I don't have them. I've written them. Yeah. But it's like, why, why tell them when everybody else is telling it? I do. Uh, I do have quite a bit of jokes about pornography. Just a heads up. <laughs> she lacks integrity. She didn't even mention that. Okay, I have some integrity. <laughs> I don't mean to insult you. <laughs> Plus, like, you know. I feel like mine aren't the same joke everyone else is telling, so I don't feel bad about it. Totally. If I knew I had the best porn joke yeah. uh, that was, like, totally unique, yeah. I would tell it. Uh, I don't. Okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, same, like, you know, same applies to, like, Trump or like, online dating. Like, if yeah. I knew if I had killer killer material with that, I would use it. Right. Um, but, uh, but I don't. And I'm trying to, you know, set your, I have to set myself apart right. however I can, you okay. know. So that's one of the ways I, I try to do it. Nice. Yeah. So where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, that is a great question. I have a tough time figuring out tomorrow. Right. So I don't know. Um, I think, like, the dream, I would love to be writing for um, TV whether that's like food-related TV or comedy or something in the middle, uh, I think that would be great. Um, I'm not sure how to get there. Um, but I think that's the end goal. Um, I don't see myself as like a traveling comic or anything. Um, uh, uh, I, I've always, you know, I, I'm definitely more comfortable in a room with a computer than, in, you know, in front of a bunch of people. So... 
um, yeah, so TV, I think that's where I want to head. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Are there some programs on currently that you're like, oh, I would want to write for something like that? Sure. I mean, I mean, like the if, like the the real aspirational stuff is yeah. like you know John Oliver and like Samantha Bee yeah. and like that kind of stuff and like if I was five years younger Saturday Night Live you know <laughs> they, they they don't like you because you're old or they wouldn't like you because you're old for sure okay. and I can't keep that schedule yeah I just there was there was a time in my life when I definitely could keep that schedule right. I definitely couldn't now I would fall apart right <laughs> um, yeah I don't. I don't watch a ton of food programming um, for a lot of the same reasons I don't read a lot of food writing. Uh, I find it all pretty repetitive. But, um, you know, like Anthony Bourdain's always, he's been a big influence, you know. Um, I haven't watched his new show, but his old show is like, that was that was a huge influence on me. Um, so that would be like a great place to, I'm, I'm sure he has writers, you know. That would be a great place to be involved in food and television we'll see do you think you're going to be in Boston in five years <laughs> uh, I kind of hope not why um, I, I have a love-hate relationship with Boston which I think means I'm a real Bostonian um, uh, and frankly like the industries I want to be in are in here so um, I have my eyes on on LA okay um, why L.A. over New York? I lived in New York already. Okay. I did it. Yeah. Um, I want to be in the sunshine. All right. I want to be like, I don't want to be somewhere where like the buildings block out the sun. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, uh, that, that's the main thing. I love New York. I love New York a lot. Yeah. Um, but it's like, um, you get tired in New York in a way that you don't get tired anywhere else. Describe that for me. It's like pure exhaustion. Like, I remember my first week, my brother also happened to be living in New York, and I remember my first week, I called him on a Sunday or something, and I was like, I can't move. Like, I can't get out of bed. Like, what's wrong with me? He's like, it's okay. Like, you just moved to New York. You have to get used to this. This is a brand new pace. Right. Um, Which is awesome, like, for a guy like me who can be a little more passive. It's good. It, like, supercharges me. Um, but it also, you know, wears you out. I was getting high blood pressure just living in New York. And I, I moved back here and a blood pressure came down. Yeah, yeah. That seems pretty rough. Yeah, yeah. So, but, like, creatively, like, it's great to be in a place uh, with that much. I mean, you go to New York for a weekend and you have, like, ten new bits. Yeah. Just because there's, like, there's just stuff to look at everywhere. Uh, I find Boston really, like, monochromatic. How so? Like, um, there's just not, there's no, there's not a lot to look at. Like, everyone more or less dresses the same. They more or less look the same. There's not, like, there's, it's not, there's no iconoclasts. There's, or there's very few iconoclasts, you know. Whereas New York, you, like, someone walks down the street in a spandex three-piece suit. I don't know, whatever. And, like, you don't, you barely bat an eye. Because they're just, like, one of a, a million people expressing themselves. Right. Uh, whereas, like, here, I feel like Boston, you got to dig a lot deeper to kind of, like, find the find the interesting stuff. Um, that's probably my, my biggest complaint with Boston. Um, 
If you were to move away, what would you miss most? Uh, I would miss... Um, good question. <laughs> I mean, I'm a New Englander. Okay. So, like, I would definitely... I would like I, I would I would definitely feel out of place. Right. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a New Englander, I'm a Northeasterner, like right. I'm I'm of that mindset, that like yeah. go 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 mindset yeah. and like uh, if you're not working you're you're failing and like you know. Um, uh, and I do like I think it's changing a lot, but I do love the sort of like small town feel of Boston. Um, although I think it's sort of disappearing, but, uh, I mean, living in Somerville and doing the kind of work I do, like I, I walk down the street and I know people and I, you know, I stop and chat and it's like, there's a real sense of community here, um, which, uh, I don't know that you get other places. I don't know. Um, so I would, I would definitely miss that. Yeah. So we're coming up on the end. Do you have any final thoughts and, or... Like scoops about you that other people don't know that I can be like this is a podcast exclusive. Yeah. My Mark Marin moment where I just like yeah. break down and start yeah. crying. Oh my god! If you were to cry, I would. I feel like the listens would go out the roof. I, I I would love it if you cried. Is there a deep dark secret in your past that you want to talk about? <laughs> yeah, but I've already talked already talked about it on stage. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. If there's. I don't know. If you're gonna get it out of me. No, I wish I had, like, a scoop. I wish I was more interesting. Um, I'm hoping there's going to be some more podcasting for me down the road. And uh, hopefully some video stuff with WGBH. Um, but uh, but uh, nothing, nothing, nothing even in pre-production right now. So kind of, kind of in a holding pattern there. That's a boring answer. Give me, like, a final thought, like, your grand theory on everything. <laughs> oh, grand theory on everything. Um... My favorite quote is an Aristotle quote. Okay. Put it that way. Um, we are what we repeatedly do. Okay. Excellence. Uh, excellence then is a habit, not a choice. Okay. Which I think I might I might have butchered that a little bit. Yeah. But uh, essentially, like, I think you can get good at anything. Okay. You just ha- you got to work. You got to work at it. You got to put the time in. And you got to do it regularly. Um, and uh, I'm struggling with that. I struggle with that every day. But I also like really believe in that. So uh, yeah, I would say that's my that's my like my main like motivational philosophy. Yeah. And I forgot to ask this earlier. So that wasn't the last question. This is the last question. Do you cook? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm like a mediocre home cook. Yeah. What's your favorite dish to cook? Um, I mean, I'll just do like I just like doing like like a beans and rice with like a piece of fish or a piece of chicken. Like chop up some fruit, make like a salsa with that. Like super simple, um, but uh, yeah, something just something just like that. Uh, I don't get too crazy at home. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. This has been Person About Town, and this has been Alicia Siegel. So guys, thanks so much. Have a great week. Bye.